This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on paying less for the coverage you need with Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get a quote today at FBHP.com. I'm Mike Keith. The Titans are back from London after losing to Baltimore 24-16. I visited with Mike Vrabel on Monday to discuss the loss to the Ravens and what to expect from bye week. Here's my conversation with Mike Vrabel on the OTP. Mike, you met with the media this afternoon, and you were obviously asked about Ryan Tannehill's status. If you don't mind, for those who didn't have a chance to hear, kind of update people on what you said about your quarterback. Well, you know, he's got a high ankle sprain, and we'll see. You know, he's been through this before, and, you know, just got caught in the pocket there, and a guy came down on it, and I know how tough Ryan is, and we've got a little bit of time. So, uh, to have uh, to give you any more information that I don't have anything more than that. So uh, we'll have to make sure um, that, um, you know, that we get everybody ready, you know, whether that's Ryan or whether that's Malik or Will. Uh, we'll, we'll have to have a plan uh, based on, on his health and, and everybody else's health. Get back from London. Obviously, the two guys with the concussions are of concern to Titans fans, Chris Moore and Josh Wiley. How are those guys doing right now? Uh, great from what I've seen. Um, both doing well, and uh, they'll, they'll work their way uh, through, through the protocol, and, and we'll see how, how they progress and what they're going to be able to do this week or heading into next week. How much will you do this week as far as practice? would like to do some. You know, I think everybody's got a different plan, but we have to – you know, we have to think about winning this week, you know, finding a way to win this week and get stuff accomplished for, for each player, for each position group, uh, for each unit, and for this team. So that's my goal. That's my thoughts uh, is trying to to do the things that uh, we feel like are going to help us at this point in time. You talked about some of the good things that you saw during the course of the game with Baltimore. One of the things to us would have been Harold Landry. We called his name quite a bit. As you reviewed the tape on the way back, did he play as well as we thought he did? Well, he ran around and chased, and you know, he still. We have to win one on ones. You know, whether that's Harold, Jeff, Danico, Arden, uh, guys that we think that that can affect the quarterback when they get one on ones. That that's the ex- expectation. So uh, they all have to. Uh, we all have to win more one on ones. It's what this game comes down to, whether it's coverage, whether you're trying to get open or you're trying to, to block somebody or trying to get past them. Sean Murphy Bunning is another guy who continues to show up. His ability to battle, one of the things you admire most about him? Well, I, I think he's an instinctive player. I think he's smart. I think he knows kind of what to get away with, what 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 can't. Uh, you, you know, I think he sees the picture and, and kind of, um, you know, challenges, you know, when he has to and you know, again, those are the things that we're talking about. The play that he made is just making the ones that you're supposed to make, and um, you know, took advantage of an errant throw. And uh, again, it, it was there, and uh, he made the play. And that's that's what we're talking about. It's not doing anything above and beyond, just making the ones that we're supposed to make. Have you made a decision what you're going to do at the left tackle spot after Nicholas Petit-Frere comes in for Andre Dillard yesterday? Uh, no, I'm not going to make those decisions less than 24 hours after the game. So we've got a, long, a lot of time before we play another game. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about some of the other guys who've jumped out in, in the first six games of the season. And I, I want to go back to Tajay Spears. I mean, takes that quick screen and just making people miss all over the field. Uh, that's the part of the game you love about him? What? We have to manufacture more touches, uh, but he didn't do that on his own. You know, there's there's three offensive linemen out there. Um, 
there's a receiver out there at the point of attack, and there were some really, really cool efforts. I want you to go watch that play again. Uh, Nick Petit and uh, Brew watching those guys run and everybody trying to finish. And then obviously, you know, the guy with the ball has got to do his job, and which Tajay did, and, you know, just going to continue to need those types of efforts uh, from him and from everybody else that we give the ball to. We see that a lot out of Aaron Brewer, and it feels like he's taking more and more of a leadership role, not just with his words, but with his style of play. Is he becoming that type of player who really sort of symbolizes what you want the Titans to be? Well, I hope that would symbolize anything that we would want to do uh, with this organization uh, on the field, off the field. Uh, he certainly plays with a with a level of uh, speed and, and effort uh, and violence in, in the way that he carries himself. Not the biggest player, but, um, you know, I think he's kind of you know doing the things the way that we would want him done and, you know, we just need to kind of get that consistency uh, throughout the, the the rest of the unit, and uh, and I think that we're we're close at times. You know, there's a lot of cool runs in there, a lot of good protections in there, and then you know sometimes not so good, unfortunately, on third down. Yeah, the difficulty for the Titans in the ball game against the Ravens just 46 offensive plays. It's not enough to create enough plays. It's not enough to get the ball to Derek enough. It's not enough to get the ball to Tajay enough or to Chig or Hop and you know any of them. That's just you have to be so good with the 46 that you have. You know, and when you look at the 46 plays, like how many of them were third downs, how many of them were two-minute when you're down two scores. So really in the bulk of it, just just not enough plays that to complement each other. As a coaching staff, what are the things that you'll focus on during the course of this off week? Well, it's about self-improvement. It's about our, uh, trying to figure out what, what our players can improve on. Making sure that there's a um, a level of cohesion to our position group, that we're focused on uh, unit execution in all three phases, and then also building the t- team pride and, and team success is, is critical. And those are the things that we're going to focus on um, that I'm going to explain to the players. Jeffrey Simmons gave an interview in the locker room after the game, and one of the things he said is we need to focus on the guys who are ready to play and the guys who are not ready to play, they need to move along. I don't know if you heard Jeff's comments that we played earlier, but strong statement from number 98. As a former player and now as a head coach, is that the kind of thing you want to hear at a moment like this from him specifically? I mean, Jeff's earned the right to, to say uh, what what he wants and what's on his mind and and again, when you lose, you're, you're frustrated. You know, we've we want to win. That's why we come to work. That's why we do what we do. Um, and yeah, we we need everybody. We need the, the guys that are out there to play better. We need the ones that aren't out there uh, to to come and, and help us, so that we uh, you know we can start putting something together. And uh, you know, but I'll say to guys that you know to stepped in, whether that's the practice squad or guys that. Uh, you know, played more snaps than, than maybe what they normally would. You know, I got we got some pretty good efforts from them, like a uh, Jaleel Johnson or a Kyle Pecko in the defensive line. Absolutely, you know, I think Jaleel played uh, much improved from from the indie game. Played with his hands, played with some pad level, showed up. Um, you know, Pecko is um, as good as he's been for us in the game. It just did not only his ability to to knock back the the tackle a few times and. Uh, create some some no gain plays, especially one on third short yardage. I uh, had a couple uh, really cool effort plays, and, and those are the things that you know, we're going to continue to do that are going to help us win. And there's some things that we're going to have to eliminate, 
but but we're going to start there with the things that help us win. You felt like you got your run defense back under control against Baltimore? Or more of the way you wanted at least? Yeah, I mean, a quarterback, however many he had when he dropped back to throw the ball, you know, I mean, they're where they're not even planning on scheduling a run. Whatever those were, take those out, and then you're not going to take out the ones that he kept in his own read. That's a responsibility. We have to make sure that we're good there, but um, there, there were some pretty good pretty good walls pretty good edges some pretty good tackles toss crack they tried us on and you know we had guys running to the football and tackling that's my monday talk with mike vrabel it's always game on with duncan so grab a coffee and kick off the action whether that's drinking a cup of coffee on your way to the game or grabbing one to go before watching the game at home duncan is always there to help you get your game on Just like the pros, we need to be at our best come game time, which is why Duncan is the most important part of your game day ritual, because it's always the best call for football. America runs on Duncan. I now welcome my fully caffeinated Titans radio broadcast partners, Rhett Bryan and Ramon Foster. Rhett Bryan is actually having a Duncan. What are you having? Cold brew? Cold brew with a little uh, almond milk in there. Nicely done. Ramon, how are you hanging in there? Are you jet lagged at all? Uh, it won't hit me till you know later in the later in the week. How it always comes to bite you back, but you know what? Uh, the flight wasn't bad coming back, and we all made it back safely. And I think there was a little bit of a turbo in that plane coming back. I think we beat timing, y'all. It was nicely done. It was well done by the pilot. Yes, congratulations. Sir. All right, so I have gathered some things to discuss, and I'm just going to throw them out, and you can respond however you wish. They're just some notes, some stats. I don't know if they're very newsworthy, but they seemed insightful to me. So here we go. Tajay Spears got only four touches at New Orleans. Over the next four games, Spears averaged nine touches per game with those numbers growing weekly. In London, however, Tajay Spears had only five touches, the last of which went for 48 yards on a quick screen. Are you surprised by that? Surprised by his use? Uh, a little bit, yeah, because he's been proven the more reps he get, the better he does. And it's not like he has to have, you know, the high number, double-digit numbers, 20, you know, 30. It's just his ability to pop in offense. His ability to be a splash player is what you saw. I think the telltale sign of it was in the second half of that game when it's, when the Titans were behind, you give the ball to a guy like Tajay, and it's not like he had, you know, tons of guys in front of him. His bob and weaving inside of defensive traffic, almost making Kyle Van Noy rip his, his groin as far as the way he made him split on the run and get down to the tight red zone. I think it shows you the, the capabilities he has when it comes down to his playmaking ability. That's what's most exciting about him. And you have to ask that question. What more can he do with the ball in his hand even more moving forward? And, of course, that means you may have to take reps from somebody else. That Somebody else may end up being Derrick Henry. But if this is something that can be very advantageous to this offense, the ability to include more explosion plays, the ability to keep defenses unbalanced is what Tajay kind of proves for you. And, and also having the ability to you know run your offense is good. I'd love to see a little bit more of it, but of course, I'm not the OC or the head coach that got to make those decisions. But when you look at the results of what he's capable of doing throughout the course of the game when he's had those opportunities, he's earned it for sure, Mike. I think it's what they liked about him and hoped for him when they drafted him. And I think 
now that they're seeing things, even in a smaller sample size, as long as those plays start becoming explosive, I think you will see an uptick in his uh, touches in this. We'll see after the bye week. They've got 13 days before their next game, and, and we'll just see how this all plays out. Next one. Titans are averaging 24 rushing attempts per game. The opponent, actually more, 28 rushes per game. Of course, coming off two games where the Colts went for 193 and the Ravens went for 139, Derrick Henry averaging 16 carries per game, which is down for him. Did we ever think the Titans would average less rushing attempts than the opponent or is it just the fact that they've been behind? Uh, a little bit of both of them. Uh, the, being behind makes you elect to throw in the ball a little bit more, too. That always plays a part in it. But the time of possession by the opposing teams have been uh, a little bit more than what the Titans have in the last few weeks, Mike. And with that being the case, and they're able to turn and work this defense down uh, with them being out on the field a little bit longer, you have to resort to your sub packages to where Derek's not running the ball because you're playing catch-up. With what the Colts did at their home stadium on how they ran the ball, you got to play catch-up. you got to get the ball out of your hand, and that means relying upon the passing game or going to your sub packages with a guy like Tajay Spears or other guys in the game. There are weapons on this team that's just capable of making plays for you and you love to see Derek get those reps but when you're behind or time of possession becomes a key figure in games you got to get away from 22 and I know a lot of fans don't want to see that be the case because Derek gets better over time but when you're pressed against the clock these are the results of it. Ramon you're right because the score gets separated in this and you have to go away from uh, what is normally the the usual hand that touches the ball I mean look at the time of possession difference in London, I mean, the, the Ravens had it 35-42 to the Titans, 24-18. And when things get out of hand like that, you have to go to a different option. Well, it comes down to third down conversions. The Titans' only third down conversion came 58 minutes into the game. It was on the Tajay Spears quick screen that went for 48 yards. That was a third and seven play. Up until then, they were 0 of 8 on third downs. The Ravens finished 8 of 16, largely because they stayed on the field. You got it right, Rhett. The difference in time of possession was 11 minutes and 24 seconds. The number of plays, 70 for the Ravens offense, 46 for the Titans. Third down matters a lot. It's the continuation of plays. It's the flow of the game. If you have no rhyme or reason to what works for your offense, it confuses you. It frustrates you. And you could see that in this team on, on game day a little bit too. The ability to work a team down, honestly, the way Baltimore Ravens did this, this defense this past weekend is what you look for out of a team. 70 plays is actually above the average. Most teams average about 62 plays a game. And for your offense, to only have 46 plays offensively, that means no rhyme or reason. That means turnovers. That means negative plays. That's nothing good's coming out of that. Because, again, if you're 20 off or almost 20 plays off of what the average is in the NFL, that's a frustrating day. There's no way to run Derrick Henry 25 times if you only are getting 46 plays. Think about what we're saying right here. And, yes, Derrick did have the big uh, mm-hmm. explosion play, right? Sure but think did. about where that play came from. That came with Derrick being on the field with Tajay. That also came with a fake jet sweep to Tajay where Derrick kept the ball and hit the sideline. I know what you're saying. Just do that. 
you can't play offense in the NFL with the king cat. You have to get to where your quarterback, your offensive line, your wide receivers, your tight ends, your running backs all move the chains. This is a team effort when it breaks down, and that's what's most frustrating. You, you leave out of the game, you kind of say to yourself, what more could we have done? And the simple answer, Mike, is what you just said. Convert on third downs. Right. You want to hear a strange stat? Here's a strange stat. Opponents are converting 41% of their third downs against the Titans, which isn't really that bad. But they're largely doing it because they are completing nearly 72% of their passes against the Titans' defense. Now, I mean, that's a strong mark any time, but that's well above the league average. The Titans are converting just 34% of their third downs, and their quarterbacks or their passers, whomever it might be, completing just 62% of their passes which is below the league average. So nearly, it's really about a 9% difference in completion rate, which keeps the clock running, keeps the chains moving. It's a little fact that you don't look at, but when I saw it, it blew me away, Rhett. And it makes sense as to why, just in in yesterday's game in London, that you had 70 offensive plays by the Ravens and only 46 to the Titans in this because they were able to keep those long, sustained drives, which is exactly what the Titans were trying to do against that Baltimore Ravens defense. And unfortunately, there were three and outs involved. It was. And, Mike, that's so so fascinating hearing that, though, too. But here's the thing about it. You're dealing with um, – Sometimes the Jimmy, Jimmy's and Joe's matter a little bit more, too. You've been without Tierra Tart. you got some young guys coming in. Jalil Johnson played well. I thought Naquan May plays last week. We, we're looking at all these things that are going into the defensive side of the ball, too. And, of course, you got to look at the guys that are either new or coming back from injury. Harold Landry, still finding his footing. It's, it's a big play in that. I look at also Arden Key, the, the, the plays that he has to make moving forward and what's expected of this defense. If you got one guy that's getting double-teamed, and Big Jeff gets his fair share. The other guys got to get home. The linebackers have to make their plays in open space, too. And it's one way to get to the quarterback. I mean, to, to affect an offense. Let's get to the quarterback. That's not happening at the rate that you love to see from your defense. And this defense has always been one of those types of teams that drags you to the deep end. And they're not capable of doing that right now. And I think a person starts with a little bit of personnel with what's happening defensively for this team. Get guys healthy. Make your plays when they come your way. It's not happening. And it, it goes a layer deeper in the Ravens <laughs> game because what has been a strong point in your in your special teams part had some big plays and sudden change. You had one with a muffed punt by Kyle Phillips on the one-yard line that ends up being a a field goal in that, and then you'll allow a 70-yard return by Devin Duvernay. You've hit it perfectly. Special teams produced a literal six-point advantage for Baltimore. Duvernay's 70-yard punt return produced a field goal. By the way, great job by Stonehouse to get him out of bounds. Bingo. And his uh, GPS... He tracked it like nineteen point eight four miles. Wait a minute, Ryan Stonehouse. <laughs> Stonehouse. Wow. Tracked crazy in terms of running Duvernay down and getting him out of bounds. Well, that produced a field goal, and then Kyle Phillips' muffed punt produced three more points right at the end of the half. Six points that the Ravens got just in the punting game. You know what's fascinating about that, Mike? As we talked about the defense a second ago, the defense is still playing well enough. 
Just you got to get assistance from those either special teams or the offensive side of the ball. I know a lot of people are thinking, man, you're supposed to just let that ball drop while we're trying to catch it. Well, his job is to field punts. Kyle Phillips is, right? It's unfortunate that it happened. Three points out of that. Okay, we'll live with that. But, of course, the effort by Ron Stonehouse and the efforts of that defense after that big return speaks a lot about what they're capable of doing. But when you put yourself in bad situations like that, whether that be from the special teams or whether that be from turnovers, that makes a long day at the office. And it just – honestly, Mike – 70 plays grinds you down mm-hmm. when it's your job to stop people. Mm-hmm. And if you're not stopping people or you're stopping people to a point, you will find yourself on the short end of the stick. Well, and then you have the physical fatigue of Baltimore, which is on both sides of the ball, and then the mental fatigue of having to play Lamar Jackson, Yeah, which means you have to be on your toes every second of the day. You know you're going to give up some yards against him. You know you're going to give up some plays. And, I mean, you're not holding them to 100 yards, and that's the way it is. You're you're having to manage this guy and not let him make the big play. And what was good, I thought, was in that tight red zone area, except for the scramble play that you speak of, mm-hmm. the anxiety of going against Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. that scramble play to Zay Flowers will stop dead in this track mm-hmm. until you keep – I mean, Zay Flowers a 4-3 guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to lose him if you're trying to watch Lamar be dynamic also. But if that was your only touchdown giving up, again, there's something to build on, but it's a matter of having everybody on the same page. And I think that's why you hear some frustration from the fan base, coaches, and even players now, Mike. Well, I mean, the defense is not playing badly. No, and I'll, uh, I'm so glad you pivoted to this because – I'm looking at the explosive plays. You know, they give the, the 10 longest plays for each team. And the four explosive plays, uh, they were all passes uh, from Lamar Jackson to his receivers, including tight ends. No scores on those immediate plays. Right. You didn't now. They resulted in some. But the other part is Justin Tucker had six field he goals did. in this. There weren't six touchdowns. There were six field goals. Well, here's what the defense is is doing so far. The Titans' six opponents are averaging 339 yards per game, 102 rushing, 287 or 237 passing. Titans' opponents have nine touchdowns in six games, 18 field goals. They're averaging 19.5 per game. So by no means is the defense playing poorly. I, I mean, you, you can't say that. The Titans, on the other hand, are averaging 284 yards of total offense, 110 rushing, 173 passing. Obviously, there's some rounding in there. I know I know 110 and 173 don't add up to 284, but there's rounding. <laughs> the Titans have scored eight touchdowns and have 16 field goals. They're averaging 17.3 per game. So not a lot happening to the point where the Titans are scoring the way they want to. Here's a weird one for you. Justin Tucker's blocked PAT was the first non-successful kick in a Titans game this year for either the Titans or the opponents. <laughs> that was the first what? time. Every every field goal has been made. Every field goal. And up until then, every extra point has been made by both the Titans and their opponents so far this year. So wow. we have we have not call, I have not called a kick no good on Titans radio all year. I called we knew that blocked. on we knew that on Nick Folk, but I didn't think about the other. The wow. other team that translates okay. to oh, Mike, them well, the, getting to the red zone. Well, that and the kicking has been unbelievable yeah. in the NFL this yeah. year. Yeah, 
I've, I've got a couple other weird ones for you, but first I need to tell you about our friends at SeatGeek, the official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans. That's right, SeatGeek is the newest member of the Titans family. If you haven't heard the name yet, get used to it because you'll be hearing it a lot more this season. Whether you're buying or selling tickets to the Titans games or to any other live event in Nashville, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek, the new official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans, so Titans fans can fan. Ramon Foster and Rhett Bryan talking about some of the some of the interesting numbers, not so interesting numbers. By the way, here's another oddity. Uh-oh. The Titans muffed punt by Kyle Phillips on Sunday was their first lost fumble of the year. How? They hadn't lost a fumble <laughs> to that point. For what? all that has gone on, and there no. has been a lot. Yeah, let's just stop that. Let's keep that at one and keep moving. Please keep but moving. But yeah, that that's uh, when you think about it, golly. It, it, it wow. also shows you, too, these numbers are very, very close. And you think to yourself, of all the things you've said, you're two and six, but you've had so much go in the, the wrong direction for you. But it's not all bad. It's really a game of inches, and it's always a small detail that goes into wins and losses in the NFL. That's why it's so hard to win, but that's also why you celebrate wins and losses. Well, wins better than losses in this league too, Mike. It is. Wins come at a premium, and it's always the smallest detail that gets you to that point of understanding, like, look, it's a game of inches, man. And when the guys go out there giving their the all to what goes into this game and you come up short, it's not like they're trying to lose. No. You're not trying to lose. The ball bounces in the wrong direction. We're having one second left before the half in London. Should be a telltale sign of what it means to win and lose in this league. Titans have 15 quarterback sacks. They have allowed 23. So the team's sack ratio is minus eight, which is not horrendous. It's not great, obviously, but it's not horrendous. I mean, four of those came in the fourth quarter with Malik. Willis in the game yesterday trying to rally the troops. So you could say that's a little misleading. The Titans' turnover ratio is only minus two. So, I mean, that's not awful. Yeah, That's not end of the world bad. The Titans are, are averaging six penalties per game for 50 yards. That's, yeah. that's not bad. Yeah. And, I, I mean, maybe some of what we're talking about right here is where Vrabel is saying – we're closer than you think. And, and the Rhett, the whole world doesn't want to hear that right now, and I get it. But you usually find, when you start parsing numbers going into the buy, you usually find all this damning evidence. And the third down stuff is damning. The red zone stuff is damning. But the stuff that usually is out there is not. Let me give you, I, just as you're speaking about this, I'm looking at, the the game yesterday with the Ravens, 72 tackles on the defensive stat mm-hmm. sheet. 41 of those came from the second and third level yeah. defenders. Well, that That's can, the game within the game, that right? That continues to be a problem. I mean, right now, Kevin Byard, 10 tackles, that's too many for a safety. Yeah. And Amani Hooker had seven. Amani so Hooker there's 17 had seven. from your safety. Yeah, and, and then you had Gibbons and Al Shire combined for 24. Yeah. And the guys up front for the second game in a row did not make a lot of plays. Harold Landry did have five. Yeah. He had two tackles for loss and a sack. I think and we've talked about Harold already. Best game he's played all year as he comes back from the ACL. And if he's rounding into shape, that's a big deal. The numbers in the front better than it was last week. Because uh, I'm seeing Jaleel Johnson with four, Autry with four, Jeff with two, 
Kyle Pecco with two. Yeah. I think it was only six tackles up front last week. So doubled that output. A little better. And when you look at the scores of these games also, and I don't think there's been anything to say, oh, yeah, well, they were behind and just let them score. The one off, you know, set game in this uh, this season is the the Cleveland Cleveland. game. Cleveland. 27-3, 24-point spread right Mm -hmm. there. Everything else has been within a score as far as being able to win or stay in the games. Uh, In London, I mean, you get that touchdown – um, well, Murphy Lunding scores on the interception return, or Derek finishes or Derek the run, finishes. or Tajay finishes the run. I, I mean, yeah. let's go to those two special teams plays that allowed that uh, uh, allowed for six points there. Let's say yep. they don't happen there, I, and then the Titans come out and score, and it's not. Well, what you're saying, Ramon, is you're saying I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. In five of the six games, the Titans have not been outclassed. No, not blown out. Right. This, this isn't like hey, the old teams I used to play with the Cleveland Browns where you just knew you was going to blow them out and everybody's just be ready to go home immediately after the game. It's not that type of game. <laughs> okay? It's not that type of game. Spoken like a true stealer, you're, you're, right? <laughs> you're fighting in these games. And that's why the frustration sits on Vrabel. That's why the frustration sits with your team players. You just hear, if you listen to us post-game, uh, Kevin Byers speak. You hear Big Jeff speak. You hear these guys try to find answers for you, and the answers are you're that close, but figuring out how to either get a stop, yeah. score in the red zone, convert on third down. And I've been a part of teams where that's been a big emphasis. We got to convert on third down. We got to score in the red zone. And all it boils down to, y'all, is this. Reps, training of it, detail of it, and that's something that, in the course of a game, a defender throw you off your route. I mean, it could be as simple as that. It could be, you know, the offensive line picking up a stunt, and they were just better on you, better better than you on those plays. It's the flow of the game, but it's also the detail of understanding. Okay, we just got to strip it down a little bit and get to get back to zero and figuring out how we get past these points. And of course, you talk about the indie game, not giving up the big runs, right? In uh, the Saints game, three turnovers playing a play in it, you know, having a sure. playing a part in it. We can pinpoint certain things in every game except for the Cleveland game that you say to yourself, take this away, we win. Well, of course, now Cleveland has put up numbers defensively through five games that have not been seen since 1971 in terms of yards allowed. They're giving up 200.4 yards per game through five games. Only two teams in modern NFL history – in 1970 and 1971, two teams have done better. So if you're having a bad day against Cleveland, they're going to make you pay for it. You know, they, they did it to San Francisco. Brock Purdy is no longer the new Tom Brady, at least this week, mm. based on a performance against Cleveland. So you, you take that into account. I, I think another thing about third down and red zone that I've noticed over the years. And, Ramon, you played in the league, and you've covered the league for a long time, been around teams. So you take it first. To me, those are the moments like you're taking the final exams. It's it's the tests. It's first down's one thing. Second down's something else. But third down, everybody starts to feel it, particularly on the road, Because the crowd's loud. Oh, I've got to make sure I stay in my stance properly. The guy on the outside, I've got to make sure I run the route to the perfect depth. I've got to make sure I'm thinking exactly what the quarterback's thinking. Quarterback knows I need to throw a good ball. People on blitz pickup have to be perfect. 
Red zone's exactly the same way. There is pressure. So when you don't do it well, all of the sudden your confidence is weakened. When you do it well, as the Titans have done the last four years, even in practice, whatever, there is belief. So when people ask Vrabel to me, why are you not doing the red zone as well as you did the last four years? And he says, well, it's a different year, a different team. That's true. But this team hasn't built the confidence that they built. And I, I think it at times shows, unfortunately. And let's take it a step further because we have seen this in every one of the six games that they have played so far. Let's say they've done it right on first and second down. And so they have a third and very manageable third and two, let's say. And we've had the self-inflicted wounds with a penalty of offsides or whatever you want to call it that ends up dipping you down low again going, oh, no, we've made a mistake again. Mm-hmm. You know, a- another example of you can get to a low. Sure. Uh, that's happened so many times in-, in this season so far. Well, and they had uh, the penalty yep. on the one play where Derek had picked up the first down and then they come back and they don't make it, and then they punt, and Duvernay returns the punt 70 yards. And so those are the things that show up so big when you are continually not executing. Talk about the pressure part of it. The pressure part of it is is that the defense knows what you're doing mm-hmm. at that point, usually in third down and in a red zone. Here's what a lot of people don't speak about, too, and I know we've heard Coach Mack bring this up also. You get to the red zone, the defense gets a 12th man. Because you get the you get the end zone, you get the sideline, you get all those things. The playbook shrinks because look, we're in the tight red. We can't go yard anymore. We got to make sure it's ten to thirteen yards or it's five to seven yards on the players we're trying to make to get to the red zone. You have the assistance, like I said, the back end out end zone. You have that. You also have the idea that more times than not in the red zone, you are going to pass it, especially in third down, because. In the red zone, you're trying to get as many athletes as you can out there. And more times than not, there's usually four or five pass catchers. So the ability to run the ball is usually out, especially if it's third and six. You got to talk about the management of it, too. And let's go specifically here because I felt like we were going to see something in London that never actually got there. One, just watching Josh Wiley, Chris Moore both out. No trailing. Weapons matter. If we're trying to convert on third down, and it seems like every game there's been somebody out. Somebody, you know, concussed. Somebody have an ankle. Somebody you lose and you lose the ability to make plays. So if we get to the shorter part of the field and our playbook shrinks, but then our personnel shrink, that's a hard day at the office. That's a good point. It really is. And when you look at, okay, all right, I, we on our, our morning show, okay, hey, little Will, um, a lot of people you just can saying, plug it. You can plug it. You're show on the OTT. You can plug it. You can Ramon, Kalen, Will, check us out. On the app. Um, yeah. you, you have a lot of people that say, oh, use Derek in this situation. But here's the thing. You line Derek in a backfield, and you decide to run the ball, and teams know you're going to run the ball with Derek, or they're ready for the screen. It's not a play you're willing to run right there well, because it's not open field. Like it's what tight happened, red. Like what happened in Indianapolis. Yes, sir. I mean, let, let's speak about the reality of what you're asking to be why, – why you're not successful or need to be successful in the red zone. It's because of those things. You either lost players, got penalties, or you find yourself third and long. And that's a hard sledding, especially when you're down trailing. You're down Chris Moore. You're down uh, NWI. Wiley. Wiley. Josh Wiley. When I saw Josh Wiley catch that ball down the seam, 
I was thinking to myself, oh, here we go. Here's the here's the weapon we've been looking for. Because you got a big target that's not afraid to go down the field. And it's unfortunate that he was knocked out of that game. And it's unfortunate that Chris Moore was both in the red zone, both red zone moments. Well, and the bottom line, too, with Josh, Josh Wiley is growing. When you see Mark Andrews yesterday, I'm not saying that Josh Wiley is going to be Mark Andrews, but your dream would be that he could grow into something like that. When you see his catch radius, when you see, I mean, he's he's shown up. I mean, he made a great catch even at the end of the Indianapolis game to keep a drive alive. Um, quarterbacks like to throw to him because he's six seven and he's long and he's wily pardon the pun <laughs> in terms of what he can do and he, and he's figured it out you know two months ago he was the guy going now what is it do i that i do and, <laughs> and even a month ago he was but you see the light start to come on with guys this is what happens and people are like well why were we not playing him early well he probably didn't know the plays or he was having to think about it so much he was either making mistakes or he wasn't playing quickly enough. Suddenly, a guy like Josh Wiley, the light comes on and you go, yes, he's going to help our football team. And I, I think he is. I, I like this player. I liked it. I like the pick. Rhett knows it was a great year for tight ends. He was a, a unbelievable value in round five. And I, I hope he's not out long because I think he's going to help this team. Here's the other thing about Josh Wiley we haven't discovered as we're talking about him growing, literally physically growing. Mm -hmm. Here's a guy that is getting with Frank Perino and this strength and conditioning staff. He has a chance to grow into his body sure. with a little more bulk. Yeah, he's and that's going to, right. <laughs> so, I mean, we haven't even talked about that part. When he gets an NFL body on him and then the, the brain part continues to grow mm -hmm. as he, you know, is learning the playbook and knows what to do. That's where it really becomes dangerous. Well, and where they had faith in him, Ramon, is he would stick his nose in. Yes. Even when he didn't know what he was doing, he was not afraid to stick his nose in there. And when a player, I mean, at any level, yeah. you, you, if you've played football at any level, you've heard this. If a guy's willing to stick his nose in there, it will happen for him at some point. And Josh was not afraid, maybe confused, maybe didn't know everything, maybe because he was a rookie. This is the 99% of the time rookie thing that happens. But if that guy's willing to stick his nose in there, he'll grow into something. What you're saying is effort isn't a, a talent thing. That's and, something that's in you. And physicality. And he has both of those right. things. Yes, he does, man. And and again, the uh, the Chargers game, I think he went out with an ankle. Okay. And and then this game, I don't think I don't want people to ever think like, okay, well, you know, he's injury prone type of thing. No, that was a hit that he took. He got sandwiched and then pile drive mm -hmm. by Kyle Hamilton in London. Okay. Not many gonna come back from that. And he tried to get up all those things. You saw the TV graphics of everything that was available to him. But again, we speak about how this team has lost and you know, the woes of third down, the woes of the red zone, the woes of trying to get this run game established. And, of course, there was a change at left tackle yesterday that happened, too. And I think we all saw immediate responses mm -hmm. out of that also. Um, the season is always a puzzle. Certain pieces got to fit, and you try to figure certain things out. It's not like this team is just bad. There have been bad losses, but it's not a bad team. There's answers to the questions that you have. It's a matter of, of course, detail always. Uh, the ball bouncing your way sometimes. I know Kyle Phillips would love to have that back. Sure One would. second, y'all. 
We're talking about one second. And I think they had to look at the clock to make sure that the ball was down. Those types of things come. Again, uh, I've always had the motto, you want to be on a, 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 a airplane ride up, not a roller coaster. If you're ascending at all times, even with a couple dips, because there's turbulence on airplanes, right? There's Absolutely. a little bit of a dip there. But as long as you're ascending, you got something. This team can fight out of this. Again, only one divisional game so far. And uh, that team's going to have to fight out of a hole itself with the coach, that is. You got an opportunity to go to a quarterback, um, play a quarterback soon enough. And Trevor Lawrence has had his ups and downs also. And a rookie in Houston. All you need is to win your division. That's the goal. Win your division. Get the shirts. Get the hat. And punch a ticket to the playoffs. Here's another one. So I'll end it with this. The only Titans this season to catch touchdown passes are, can you name them? Josh Wiley. Josh Wiley is one. Uh, trailing it to the end zone. No, sir. No, he hasn't. D-Hop hadn't gotten it. D-Hop hadn't gotten it either. Nick Westbrook-Akine has two. That's got to change, right? You got to get Hopkins in the end. You got to, and you're going to get Burks back, which is exciting. And I mean, who knows? We and, and a Conquo, you know, Chig has has factored in the offense, but has they tried to hit him on a couple of big plays in the game in London? Almost there, almost there twice. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Here's another one. Okay, so the Titans have five takeaways this season. Travis Gibson had a strip sack against Cincinnati. Two players have the other two. They have two each, or have the other four, I should say. So, Sean Murphy Bunting has a strip sack at Cleveland and an interception against the Ravens. Monty Hooker. And, and a Monty Hooker, Hooker had an interception and a forced fumble and a recovered fumble in the season opener. So, only three Titans, only two Titans have caught touchdown passes. Only three Titans have forced turnovers so far this year. And... Those, I mean, that has to change, right? It does. I mean, just the law of averages, you're saying, my goodness, it speaks to level of big play ability and guys making things happen. Yes. yes. Got to step that up, especially the guys who are getting paid. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of it, too, is just it, it happens. It happens. It does. And nobody wants to hear that excuse. No. Absolutely not. I get it. If I'm listening to the OTP right now, I know I don't want to hear it. But if you've done it long enough and been around it long enough, you understand it will happen. It does. Eventually, the nut crack as far as what you're in search of. If everybody's right-minded. So here's the thing. So we're going into this bye week, right, guys? And everything has the opportunity to fester a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and that's what you have to fight off. You, you have to have the understanding that, look, uh, hopefully Tannehill can get back healthy. And if not, the young guys need to be ready. If there is a change at, at, at on the offensive line, Figure out how you guys going to work and mesh and gel together. And here's the other thing, too, because we all heard the audio of Big Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons, kind of challenging his teammates, whether that was the offensive side of the ball also included in that. I think that has to be the case, too, because if you're only, you know, having 40-plus plays in a game, 40-ish plays, less than 50 plays in a game, a, a portion of you feel that. The other side of the ball feels that. The offense needs to feel that pressure a little bit also. Everybody has to put their hand in a pile. In weeks like this, there can't be any separation. There can't be any fragments when it comes down to this team. You're in a hole, the foxhole, with each other. Either you're going to come together, keep the outside chatter at a minimum, understand that, and I hate to even use this because you know how I feel about this team, but the Patriots just do your job. 
Vrabel said those types of things. Everybody has to do their job. Don't try to, don't screw me over trying to go make a play for yourself. Make your play. If it accounts for just five yards on the catch, take your five and get down. If it's you holding the offensive lineman so that the defense or the linebacker can make a play, do that. I don't care about your stat line. We need to win as a team. And that's what I feel like Big Jeff's sentiment was after the game in London. I need people to do their job so we can all eat. That's always the lion pack eats together. Wow. And the only thing I'll follow that up with is Mike Vrabel teams are usually pretty good after the bye week. They are. So to that, but I can't follow that up with much else. (laughs) I thought you were just going to go amen. (laughs) I mean, yeah, let's pass the offering play, right? (laughs) First three stanzas of just as I am. Yes, I wouldn't try to go off there, but I promise you you the the passion of this game because we're close to these guys. Sure. We see their faces. We see their reactions. We hear them without being in the locker room. This is not a bad football team. It ain't. It's not. It's not a. It's a team that's not playing well right now. But it's not a bad football team, and they're two different things. They are very much so. And you know, you see teams stink it up, and we we saw a few over a period of time when we didn't go to the playoffs. <laughs> a two win team, and a three win team, and a six win team in 2012 that might have been worse than the two other teams. And there was a laundry list of things that needed to be oh, fixed. Oh, there was. It's two. a much shorter list. Woo. What we're talking about, here. yeah, yeah. This can be fixed. And the schedule puts you in a position, if you take care of your business, you can get back in it. But it's aiming towards Atlanta. I mean, you've got you've got to go get that game, certainly to have that momentum going into Pittsburgh on Thursday night. And and here's the thing, too. Um, there is a lot of opportunity in this. If, if you were looking for it, if Malik was looking for it, if Will Levis, y'all, was looking for it, if Tajay was in the search for it, NPF being back into the conversation, um, trailing. I mean, honestly, I, I know injuries are a big part of it, but let's figure out a way to stick with it. That group of five or six dudes of youth that I've mentioned right there, we've all talked about separately too. Now is your opportunity. Sure. Run with it. You, you got a game against a former offensive coordinator here in Arthur Smith coming into town, a home game. Where you're wearing the Oilers uniform. Come mm-hmm. on, man. And, and then you got to go on the road to Thursday night football. You can bang, bang this thing. And get right, and honestly, put a put put a stake in a roll, you know, on what you're trying to be as a group. And and I I say that younger group because they have a lot of optimism, and there's opportunity there for those dudes that I mentioned. Run with it this week, especially coming out of a bye. Carpe diem. Okay, so the question I will ask you about the Oilers uniforms: If Ramon Foster is playing for the Titans yeah. and he's getting to wear the Oiler uniforms and he's wearing big 78 and he's looking all clean, <laughs> what color shoes do you wear? I'm wearing white. White? I'm going white. White? Yes, I got to go white. With the white socks. Oh, my gosh. Seriously? Give me white socks. White? White. White, white I mean, shoes. I love white shoes. Give me white shoes. They're, they White shoes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Billy white, white shoes. shoes yeah. But... I think I would have to wear red shoes. Would you? With the red face mask and red gloves. Details. Details. It makes it pop. I know. I tell you what else some guys have got. They have powder blue shoes. Powder blue cleats. Titan Mm. blue You know the reason I said white, Mike? It's because as an offensive line, we don't get much anyway, okay? You don't get to wear white. Black shoes, white shoes, man. That's all they give us. Black shoes are pretty sweet, though. They are. But when you got a light color jersey, but with that face, with the red face red mask, face mask, 
That's the biggest thing. It's what I wanted. It's, it's why I said on the OTP, when she started talking about this, I said, please, please wear the version of the Oilers uniforms that we wore as the Tennessee Oilers. And it was the 81 through 98 version. It was the last 16 years of the Houston Oilers and the first two years the team was in Tennessee where they were the Tennessee Oilers. Mm-hmm. Because I think the helmet's the sharpest. I think the outline is the sharpest. I understand the the 1960 look as the original, you know, didn't wasn't my favorite. Let's no, see. this is run and shoot. This is run and okay, shoot. With, this is this is Warren Moon and Webster Slaughter. This is Ernest Givens. Ernest Givens. Yeah. This is the dudes, you know, and young Steve McNair and oh, young Eddie George Eddie and George. young. I mean, it pops. It pops. It pops. I love and it. when you see the helmet. Like when we saw the helmets at practice, when when I've seen the helmet in the building, you're like, oh my goodness. Oh my god. I mean, it's like you you can't believe how good it looks. And you're saying to yourself, this is going to happen. This is it's going happened. to happen. It's yeah. Happened. See them go out there last week in the in their uh helmets to practice and kind of get those the fittings right before they do this oh. game. I I got excited. I can't I've lie. I've seen the jerseys and they are just clean. Amazing. Clean. Amazing. I mean, the replica jerseys are great, but we did the private event, and Big Jeff was there, yeah. and oh my gosh. So my, my and I history. asked him, I said, red shoes? He goes, I'm wearing red shoes. See, my history is this, is uh, hearing Coach Munchak talk about them, too. Yeah. And he called them the silks. He don't call them jersey. Nice. Because they look so smooth. Like, it, like in hockey, they call them sweaters. Yeah. So he calls them silks. He called them the silks, man. And I was just like, oh my they are they are very pretty and of course the other thing too is when the team played in Tennessee for the two years they wore white mm-hmm. and the idea was we're always going to be on the road and so we're going to wear white and just embrace no excuses all of this but people didn't get to see the love you blue blue except like in the 97 Dallas game on Thursday when they had the drive that took the whole third quarter and they, they beat Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and the Cowboys. Marcus Robertson had a big game big that day. night. Wow. Yeah, we could go on and on. <laughs> we could go on and on. We, we've got to stop. We have to stop. But, see, there's a lot to be excited about. Some good stuff. OT people, hang in there. Seriously. Uh, Ramon Foster, thank you. Always. Brett Bryan, thank you. Glad to do it. And to the OT people, we say thank you for listening to the OTP.